The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. This is the weekend that the clocks go back. I can never remember which it is, but yes, it is fall back, which means we gain an extra hour of sleep, but our pattern of sleep gets slightly missed up. So with us is uh, Mati Varghese, who is a uh, sleep physiologist and keynote speaker at Sleep Therapy Clinic and Delta Sleep and is an expert in all things sleep. Is it actually any harm the clocks go back and forth, Mati? Uh, I think the scientific community advocates against moving the clock backwards and forwards. Uh, but I do agree that we enjoy the extra hour of sleep uh, when the clothes are moved. But there is enough evidence to say that uh, that it is not in the best interest of our long-term physical and mental health. Well, this is the interesting thing that is, is, I think, being revealed more and more by people in your area of specialism. Sleep is hugely impactful on both physical and mental health, isn't it? That is true, yeah. Fortunately, because, you know, it is a modifiable factor. And if you're not sleeping very well at the moment, I think we can make um, we, we can intervene and and try and optimize the sleep as much as we can to improve improve health outcomes. For by sure. doing what kind of thing? What what are the modifications that improve sleep? I, I, yeah, so there are different types of sleep difficulties. There are difficulties that affects the quantity of sleep where somebody goes to bed at night and find it difficult to fall asleep. And also can wake up at night and have difficulty returning to sleep. In those situations, we'll have an adequate sleep opportunity, which is the time between the lights off and uh, lights on in the morning. So if you're not sleeping at least 80 or 85 percentage of the time that we spend in bed, you know, we would generally call it as a difficulty with insomnia because we're not getting sufficient quantity of sleep. There are other sleep difficulties like um, um, obstructive sleep apnea or restless legs, which are also very common. And they affect the quality of sleep and they can be treated as well. Uh, Insomnia is generally perpetuated by the anxiety that we keep about sleep when we start to worry, will I sleep tonight? What if I don't? How will I manage my day tomorrow? Will it have effect on my health in the long run? So both these uh, common sleep disorders can be treated and it is modifiable and can improve uh, physical and mental health outcomes. Interesting when you talk about the quality of sleep, what defines good quality sleep? Uh, what defines good quality sleep? So sleep has uh, sleep happens in cycles and it has different stages of sleep, and we should be able to spend sufficient time in all different stages of sleep. But for whatever reason, if you wake up too many times at night, uh, we can sometimes have just brain arousals where we don't physically wake up, but our brain wakes up. At other times, we can physically wake up where we will toss and turn, or we you know wake up and use the bathroom. Uh, so we have to identify what is the reason why a person is waking up. So f- to give you an example, snoring and stopping breathing can cause awakenings at night. Restless legs can cause awakenings at night. Environmental factors, if like the light levels are, in, if it isn't dark enough or if it isn't quiet enough, if the mattress isn't comfortable enough, uh, or psychological factors like stress and anxiety can also keep us at a state of hypervigilance or hyperalertness and then can cause uh, awakenings at night. So it's all about identifying the factors that is causing awakenings and then cor- fix them and see whether we can establish uh, better continuity with uh, uh, c- continuity in sleep where we're not waking up too many times at night. Given that this is your area of expertise, you can answer the one question that I think everybody always has, which is sure. how much is enough? Uh, the recommended sleep duration is over seven hours uh, or seven to nine hours. Uh, but there is also the seven to nine recommend- hours. Nobody gets nine hours, do they? Uh, well, it, it, sleep need is variable between individuals. So we all don't need to have, you know, eight hours like we have always been told. Um, but some, some individuals may need nine hours of sleep, whether they're getting it or not. It's a different, uh, different issue. 
But I think what is more important is the not recommended sleep duration, which is under six hours or over 10 hours. So if you are sleeping under uh, six hours, we start to accumulate a sleep debt. And that can result in fatigue and cause other problems. But uh, and also, if you if you need to sleep over ten hours, that's that would generally be because the sleep quality is poor. And despite sleeping very long hours, uh, the person is still not feeling refreshed, and that needs to be looked at as well. So, give us then, Marty, best practice. If somebody comes to you and says, "Look, I, w- I want to guarantee myself the most refreshing, most restorative, highest quality sleep," what's yeah. the best way to get it? Yeah. So I think what we need to look at is to to differentiate between whether it is a quantity difficulty, uh, whether it's a problem with the quantity of sleep or whether it's a problem with the quality of sleep. But to generally to to optimize our sleep or to um, improve our sleep, what we should consider is to have a long wake period during the daytime. So for that, we have to have a consistent wake time seven days a week and also have a reasonably consistent bedtime. And the reason why I say reasonably consistent is our bedtime behavior should be guided by the sleepiness that we feel close to our bedtime. So if, our, if your usual bedtime is 11 p.m. and if you're not feeling sleepy, you're better off waiting another 10 or 15, 20 minutes before uh, go, before going to bed. So make sure that you have enough wake period during the daytime because we accumulate a chemical in our brain, which is called adenosine, which uh, will cause the sleepiness. So it is building up every hour we stay awake. And when we have sufficient wake period during the daytime, we'll be, we will feel that sleepiness, the intense sleepiness uh, as we get closer to our bedtime. And the second factor is to make sure that we limit the bright light exposure in the last couple of hours before the bedtime. Uh, because it sends the wrong signal to the body. We have a lot of different sources of artificial light. And I think we should be very careful about that because it sends the wrong signal to the body. Now, if you look at um, someone who has no artificial light exposure at all, they probably wake up to the sunrise, um, you know, go and work in their farm or something, and then go home in the evening when the sun sets. And, and you know, the, the body is sent the right signal that it is evening time, it is time to go to bed and sleep, and the body prepares itself for sleep by producing sleep hormones like melatonin. So we should facilitate that process of production of melatonin by sending it the right signal. The third factor is we have a little clock in our brain which controls the timing of everything that happens in our body. So by sending the right signal, we are we are, we are um, helping the clock to do the right thing as well. Which, of um, course, brings us back to where we started, which is the unfortunate thing of the clock exactly. getting messed with at just the wrong yeah. time. Marty, thank you very much for coming on this morning. That is Marty Verges, who is um, Senior Sleep Physiologist and Keynote Sleeper, or rather Keynote Speaker at Sleep Therapy Clinic and uh, Delta Sleep. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.